take us deep, deeper. Deeper than we've ever gone before. That um, you would make our life better than we've settled for. That our lives would be ones that have great value, eternal significance. Uh, God, I, I pray that that won't be just a song. I just, I pray it'd be the, the prayer of our heart. Because God, I know you'll answer it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, we're in a series called Identity Theft, and we're going to look at various scriptures today. So it's not one main passage, but in uh, the scripture will be on the screen. And I just have to tell you that uh, the screen may actually fade a little bit in, in its intensity, and, and we think we know why, but we're not going to try to fix it this morning, okay? So uh, if that happens, uh, that's okay. If it goes out entirely, don't, don't worry about that. Uh, but uh, well, I, first I want to make an announcement. Um, we, we, were, we survived the hurricane, all right? Didn't come this way. But that's not true for all people. And we announced that we would want to be helping others. And there's been a delay on that. But several people have asked me about this. We're especially concerned about Puerto Rico. We have 63 sister churches uh, there. And as you've seen on the news, the communication is so difficult. The infrastructure is that, that just isn't there. And so it's just taking so, so long. But today, the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance, John Stumbo, the uh, director of our relief arm, he, they are there, and they are trying to get the processes and the right people uh, in place. And uh, we hope that this week we can tell you what we want to do as a church to help our sister church there. Uh, I may in Israel, Rosado, they have a home church in Puerto Rico, and uh, that's been uh, damaged. And maybe that's one of the projects that we'll be able to participate in. But I, I just want to let you know that. Uh, let me ask you a question as we get started here today. We're in a series called Identity Theft. But let me ask you this one. This is the third week uh, of that series. But how many of you would say, I am living the greatest life that I could possibly live? I am doing something that it's... It's the best thing I could do with my life, and I am just so excited. Now, I didn't ask you to raise your hands. I'm not sure anybody would. All right. That really is not a very common feeling that we, as people, have, is it? And this morning, that's what we want to talk about, why that's not a reality. Our series, we called it identity theft. And, I mean, financial identity theft. I mean, the thought of that is, is, is terrifying. You know, I'm thinking, what if somebody, you know, halfway around the world stole my entire state of $967, you know? What would I do then, you know? Uh, and as bad as it is, friend, there's something that's far worse than financial identity theft. It's spiritual identity theft. It's eternal identity theft. And friend, the reality is that you have enemies of your soul. Jesus, or the Bible says it's the world, the flesh, and the devil. They all fight against us. The world 
and all the enemies you have, they want to steal your identity. They want to rob you of your inheritance as a child of God and as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The enemy of your soul wants you to feel this, and he has succeeded with most people. The enemy of your soul wants you to feel this. I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not successful enough. Whatever enough is, I'm just not. And I know that many of you feel that way. How do I know that? Because I feel that way too. Now, some of you started feeling that way as a child. And maybe your parents, they just never encouraged you. But you know, it didn't happen to most of us when we were kids. But boy, it happens when, we're, when we hit the teen years. I mean, the, the feeling of, I'm not good enough. When you're a teenager, I mean, that slams into you like a 50-foot storm surge. And a lot of people drown in that tidal wave of, I'm just not good enough. And, and they never come up out of the water. They never recover. They never experience all that God has for us. One of the key thoughts that we've had as we've talked these past three weeks, when you believe what is untrue, it will undo you. It will undo your life, your joy, your happiness, your fulfillment, your relationships, your plans, your dreams, your hopes. When you believe what's untrue, it will affect you as if it were true, even though it's not. So this morning we want to talk about this, this lie that we, most of us feel. I'm just not good enough. And, and I don't know in what area of your life this was really powerful. Now, for some of you, it would be professionally. I'm just not good enough. Uh, I remember my first sermon. It was supposed to last 20 minutes. It lasted 12. Now, that's not too bad. But what was bad was I had to repeat it four times to stretch it out to 12, okay? And then another thing happened that when I first started preaching, I, I was just so tense, all right, that my vocal cords would just constrict, all right? And after 10 minutes or so, I couldn't even talk anymore. Literally, I couldn't talk. And, and I know that many of you wish I still had that problem of not being able to go longer than 10 minutes, all right? And I'm sorry about that. But that's not true anymore. But I still battle with, I'm just not good enough. When I hear great preachers preach, or, or when somebody tells me about another great preacher, well, I'm just not good enough. That's what I feel. When I hear about large churches, Satan whispers in my ear, Ron, you're just not good enough. And, hey, Satan whispers in my ear, too, just like you. And if it's professionally, you may feel like, well, I'm just not good enough professionally. I'm never going to have a great job because I'm not good enough. Now, for others of you, it's relationally. 
I have heard so many people say, well, I, I, just, I just don't have a good relationship. I can't. I, I don't know. I just can't do it. And if you're single, you may believe, well, I'm not good enough to get married. <laughs> if you're married, you may feel like, well, I'm married, but I'm not good enough to have a good marriage. There are many parents, I'm not good enough to be a good parent. My parents weren't. I'm not good enough. You know what? God wants you to be a great parent. And you can. Maybe the area of your life is spiritually. I don't know how many Christians I've heard say, well, I, I just... I just can't be a good Christian. I'm just not a good Christian. I can't pray. I can't teach. I can't do what God wants me to do. I can't tell anyone else about Jesus. Now, I want to encourage you today. So far, maybe it's been discouraged. I want to encourage you today. All the great men and women in God's word felt that way too. They all felt that way too. And today we're going to look at one of the spiritual giants who let his enemies rob him of his true identity as a child of God and a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, his name is Moses, and we find his story in Exodus chapter 4. And you know about Moses, you know, Moses, God created Moses for a life mission, all right? But he creates all of us for a life mission. That's just a different life mission. Now, you know Moses' life mission? He was called by God to be the one who would go to Egypt and deliver his whole nation of 2.5 million people because they were slaves in Egypt. That was his mission. Now, when God told Moses his mission, what did Moses say? Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent. I'm not good enough. Neither in the past since you've spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech. I am slow of tongue. He said, I'm not good enough. Don't put me in front of people, God. I wig out. I freeze. I'm not a good public speaker. And we've been saying that to God ever since. Well, God asked Moses a question then in verses 11 and 12. The Lord said to Moses, uh, Moses, who gave you your mouth? Who, who created your mouth, Moses? Who gave man's mouth? Who makes some deaf or some mute? Who gives sight to some but makes others blind? Did you do that? No. Isn't it me? Isn't it I, the Lord? I design each one for the mission that I have for them. And Moses, I've told you your missions. Now go. And I know you're slow of speech and tongue. But Moses, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you speak. I'm going to teach you what to say. God told Moses that he would make Moses successful. <laughs> that he would accomplish this great mission of delivering two and a half million people from slavery. 
God said, Moses, I'm going to get it done. And I'm just going to use you to do it. Now, after hearing that, you'd think that Moses would say, oh, well, okay, God, let's go do it. But what does Moses say in verse 13? Lord, please, please, please send somebody else. God, you don't get it. I'm just not good enough for you to use me to do that. Now, was that true? Did Moses fail in, his, in the mission God gave to him? Was God incapable of doing what he asked Moses to do? Absolutely not. It was all a lie. And friend, that's the problem, that we can live out lies in our life. That we can feel just like Moses. God, I'm not good enough. I can't speak well enough. I'm not talented enough. When we do that... We let the enemy of our soul, created to be in a relationship with God, we let the enemy steal our true identity. We believe we can't do what God created us to do and calls us to do. We believe we can't pray. We believe we can't tell others about Jesus. We believe we can't serve. Moses battled those feelings of inadequacy, friend, just like you and just like me. And the lies that steal our true identity. Number one, that your worth is based on what others say about you. And see, some of you grew up in a home where you got a lot of encouragement. Oh, man, yeah, oh, you can do that, you can do that, yeah. And you just felt good about yourself, and you took the initiative and, and, and ex- experienced some of those successes. But some of you, you grew up hearing things like, why can't you be like your brother? Or sister, you're dumb. You don't have what it takes. And you know what? The tragedy, you believed it. You believed it. The lie that steals our identity, that your worth is based on what others say about you, especially the people that love us and we love them. See, loving someone doesn't mean that we'll still say the wrong things, that we'll discourage, that we'll pull each other down. No. But we can't believe the lie about what others say about you or what you say about yourself. You know, that is probably even more powerful. Because, hey, this is what happens to me. If you're like me, when someone says something good about me, how do I feel? I feel great. I feel great about me. But when someone puts me down, I feel like the biggest loser that ever lived. Isn't that true? Someone said that it takes 10 positive points or statements of affirmation to overcome one negative comment or criticism in our life. Do you, are you a slave of basing your worth based on what others say about you or what you say about yourself? Well, join the club. (laughs) It's called the Club of Humanity. And if you're human, you'll probably deal with that and battle that. The third lie that steals our true identity is that your worth is based on what you have done. We feel our worth is based on what we did, what we've done in the past, or what happened to us, what 
others did to us. Again, maybe you had parents who didn't affirm you, and you just concluded, well, I'm never going to amount to anything. Maybe you weren't the greatest student in school. You got average grades or below average grades. And so you believe, well, you know, I'm nobody special and I can't do good things. I'm just average and I'm just going to have to live an average life. Maybe you dreamed of a great marriage. You tried. And one day it ended. And the tragedy is if you feel like you've got a big D on your forehead. The tragedy is it's maybe you feel like, well, I can't do great things because of my past. Some of you were molested. And the tragedy is not just the physical pain, it's the emotional pain. The physical pain's gone, it's the emotional pains, it's emotional scars. And you've read it, that the unbelievable thing is that innocent victims so often believe that it's their fault. If I hadn't have done what I did, or if I'd done something differently, this wouldn't have happened to me. Friend, you are not what you did in the past. You are not what others did to you. You are who God says you are. Because he created you. In John chapter 3, we read about a man named Nicodemus. And here was a man who was outwardly successful in every way, and everybody thought he had, his, had it all together. <laughs> everybody thought he had it all together except Nicodemus. And he knew he didn't. And so he came to Jesus one night, and he said, Jesus... I don't know, I mean, I've accomplished all these things and everybody else thinks I'm great and I'm rich and I'm powerful. But Jesus, i got to know, how can I be right with God? What can I do to be a part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven? Now, you know what he said. What, what did Jesus tell him? You must be what? Born again. You must be born again. What's that? No, you don't get back into your mother's womb. No, your body's not born again. Your spirit is. Your heart is. Your mind is. And see, when one day (laughs) the fog clears, one day we realize I can't save myself. One day we realize I have sinned. I have disobeyed God. I I don't deserve heaven. When we realize that God sent his own son to pay the price for our sins, when we realize we need God's son to save us and get us in a right relationship with God, not only to save us, but to make us, to make us now what God created us to be. What happens? We're born again. We become a new creation. We become a, a, a person with new thinking and new heart and new mind, new spirit, new feelings. We're born again in Christ Jesus. We're born again into the family of God. That's our true identity. Not what the world says about you. Not what you say about yourself. You become a child of God and a joint heir with Jesus of the kingdom. Now, now as great as that is, 
I mean, that's the greatest thing of all. But you know what the problem is? That doesn't take away the bad memories. That doesn't silence the voices of the world or the enemy of your soul. Because they don't want you to experience that and to enjoy that. And Satan is going to replay all the negative tapes over and over in your mind. Last week, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. What are we supposed to do with those lies? All the things that contradict God in his word. All the things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God that he's revealed. What are we supposed to do with all those thoughts? We're supposed to take them captive, aren't we? What do you do if you take someone captive? You put them away. You are not going to let them ruin someone else's life. And that's what God's word tells us to do. Take those thoughts, lock them away. Because now you're going to believe what God says about you and not what others do. You're going to live out your life based on what God says and not what the world says. You see, that lie, I'm just not good enough. Okay? That's why we don't experience the great life that God wants us to. So we've got to take those thoughts captive. Let's stop believing the lies and start believing the truth. What's the truth? Who are you? What's your true identity? What does the one who created you say is your true identity? We're going to see th three things here from God's word today. Number one, God says you are called by Christ. 1 Peter 5.10 in his kindness, in his mercy. <laughs> it's nothing you did. You didn't deserve it, <laughs> okay? In his mercy, God called you to his eternal glory. All the great things that God wants to do in your life. Why he created you? In his mercy, God called you to his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ by means of what Jesus Christ did when he came and died on the cross and rose from the dead. Our God of grace calls you to his eternal glory because of Jesus. Friend, the Son of God, <laughs> the King of kings and Lord of lords, called you. He called you to be his own. He came to earth to die for you. He cares for you. He calls you to be his follower. He'll come back for you one day to take you to heaven. <laughs> so, are you a Christian? What's a Christian? You know, all kinds of definitions. What's a Christian? What does 1 Peter chapter 2 say? What's our true identity? As a, if you're a Christ follower, if you're called of God, if you have accepted Christ, you are a chosen people. You are God's very own possession. This is show, so you can show others who need it. You can show them the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us one more thing that we've been called. We've been called out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom of lies, of untruths to keep us down. You've been called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So you see, there are going to be all those times, all those days that we feel I'm just not good enough to really matter to God. I'm not good enough to really serve Jesus and really make a difference. No. God says you're called. You're called to a life of greatness as a Christ follower. One day I got a call from Peter Dice. And uh, some of you know him, others of you don't. Peter Dice is um, one of the most brilliant businessmen that I have ever met. Um, for many years, he just retired. For many years, he was the CEO of Shell Point Village. And Shell Point Village is a, a retirement community uh, down in uh, Fort Myers, and it is amazing. It, it has to be worth hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. It's, it is just a top drawer facility. Peter Dice called me and asked me if I would let my, my name be placed in uh, the, a search for the lead pastor of the village church. Now, this is a church. Uh, there are all kinds of residents there. But in Shell Point Village, there are CEOs of multi-million dollar corporations. Now, I couldn't believe two things. All right, number one, that such an important person as Peter Dice himself would call me. Okay? And then the second thing I couldn't believe was that he would ask me to do something I felt totally incapable of doing. Friend, I want to say to you, Peter Dice calling me was nothing compared to the fact that Almighty God calls you every day. Every day he calls on you. Every day. Every day he wants you to know his love. Every day he's got a job for you to do. Every day he's going to give you the strength to do whatever you've got to do. Whatever trial you're going through. Whatever need you have every day. Almighty God is calling you. And he calls you to do things that you feel incapable of doing. And you see, that's another feeling. I'm just not good enough. I'm not capable enough. But that's the second thing. You see, that's a lie. What does God say? God says that you are competent through Christ. Now, as you live your life here in this world, there are going to be people who tell you you're incompetent. Maybe a lot of them. There are going to be people who tell you you're incompetent. But what does God say? No, he says you are competent through Christ. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, you see, there are things we can't do that we want to do. I wish I could slam dunk a basketball. I wish I could make a billion dollars. I can't. All right? There are things I can't do. 
But there is nothing that I can't do that God wants me to do. Anything he wants me to do, anything he asks me to do, he's going to give me the strength to do. And the enemies of your soul, they'll, they'll lie to you. They will talk you out of all that God has for you. You, you can't do that. You, you don't have what it takes. You're a mess. Nobody will believe you. You can't impact anybody for Jesus. You're not good enough. We are competent through Christ. We are more than conquerors through Christ, the Bible tells you. And, and, and friend, I just, again, I just want to be transparent with you. There are many, many days that I feel I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough to be a pastor. And, and the truth is that I'm not good enough to pastor this church. I'm in way over my head. They're great preachers. I'm not one of them. They're brilliant leaders, Christian leaders. I'm not. I'm just trying to stay out of the way of what God wants to do here at Alliance and not hold him back. There are people who are talented. I'm not, but guess what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so can you. So can you. So can you. Now, the problem is, the reason we think we can't do those things is we try to do them in our own strength. We try to do them ourselves, okay? Now, here's, here's a, you know, an example. Husbands. We try to understand our wife. It's not going to happen. Amen. There are two major theories on understanding your wife. Both of them are wrong. Okay? You can't do that. You know, the only way that I can understand Donna is to ask God help me to. For him to give me the strength to do that. For me to do things I really don't want to do, but things that would help me understand her. Okay? I can't. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. For some of you, your finances, they're, they're messed up. And you're thinking, I, 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 I'm never going to get out of debt. I, I've got to have more money. I absolutely see no way. I, I'm in trouble, and I'm going to be in trouble. I'm never going to be financially successful. You can't. But God says you can through Christ. If, if you'll do it his way, if you'll, if you'll learn his principles, if you'll take Financial Peace University that we offer here, you can as it's Christ working through you. Some of you, you are praying for a, a, your husband or wife or child or somebody you really love. You, are been, you have been praying for years for them to come, come to Christ. And you've tried and tried to make it happen, and you can't. You're preaching, Adam won't do it. You can't. But Christ can do it 
through you. He can give you a deeper love for them when they're not lovable. He can give you the right words at the right time, said in the right way. Jesus Christ working through you so you can do everything that God wants you to do. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, say it this way. Such confidence as this, that we can do all things through Christ, such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we're competent in ourselves. Our competence comes from God. Friend, you are competent. Your competence comes from God through Christ. That's your true identity. Who does God say you are? Number three, you are complete in Christ. First, second Peter 1, 3. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Everything you need to please God. He's given you that. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself. In Christ, you have everything you need. You are complete in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, 9 and 10. For in Christ, the fullness of God lives in the human body. And you are what? You're complete through your union with Christ. Now, most humans feel incomplete. God wants us to feel incomplete, okay? Because we're not in and of ourselves. The problem is we try to find our completion in someone else or in something else. Most people, they, when they're, they try to find another person to make them feel complete. Friend, people can't complete you. They can't. They're not capable. They didn't make you. Jesus Christ can. A spouse can't do that. A new boss can't do that. A friend can't. People can't. Jesus can, and he does. Things can't complete you. We think, I've got to have more money. If I had more money, I'd be complete. If I had a better job, I'd be complete. Things can't complete you. Christ does. If you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior... If you've asked him to be the Lord of your life, the master, the the coming king who's going to come for you, then that is your true identity. And don't let the world around you and the enemy of your soul or the lies you tell yourself, don't let them rob you of your identity. You are a child of God. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. You are competent to do the greatest things you can possibly do the things that God wants you to do through his son, Jesus Christ. Have you ever missed out on something? There are things in your life, oh, I wish I could go back and do this instead of that. Because then my life would be great. Well, you can't, can you? And so then we let that rob us. Okay. But friend... Do you know what will rob you of the greatest joy, the greatest accomplishments in your life? It's telling God, like Moses tried to do, I can't. God, I just can't do what you asked me to do. I'm not good enough. That will rob us 
of the great things that God has for us. That will rob us of the greatest things we could ever do. That will rob us of hearing what Jesus say to us one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't let the enemies of your soul steal your true identity as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me, please? For every one of us here today, while, while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, before I pray, every one of us here today, we believe the lie. I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough for that relationship. I'm not good enough for that job. I'm not good enough for God to really use me. I'm not really, I'm just not good enough for the great things of life. That's a lie. Because that lie will keep you from doing what God wants you to do. It'll keep you from doing the great things God created you to do and empower you to do. Friend, this is the day to reject the lie and live out what God says is true. Father, we need you. We need you. We just, we have a hard time believing your word because of all the things that the world t around us tells us, all the things our parents told us, all the things our friends told us, what our employer tells us, what the enemy of our soul tells us. Oh, God, we don't want to be a victim of identity theft. We are called by you. Your son died for us. He's coming back for his own. Oh, God, that's our true identity. And please deliver us from being deceived, from being victims of identity theft. Oh, God, today, may we embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. He died in our place. May we embrace that. May we say, God, thank you. I am a sinner, but your son died in my place. I accept him as my Savior. Lord, he is Lord. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And I've got to follow him today and every day. I can't wait till I die and then say he's Lord of my life. I need to make him Lord of my life today. Because, God, I want to live out what you created me for. I don't, I don't want to believe the lie anymore that I'm just not good enough. Well, I'm not in myself. But in Christ Jesus, I am everything that God wants me to be. And may I live that out in my life. Lord, we're praying this because you're the creator. You were there before creation. You planned us before you created the world. You have eternity in your hands, dear Father. And may we live that out in our life. We're not going to believe Satan anymore. We're going to believe you, God. We're not going to believe the world around us. We're going to believe the Spirit of God within us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?